This episode of Lord Have Mercy is brought to you by Our Bible App, the world's first LGBTQ affirming Bible app. Support the Kickstarter today with small and large donations alike. That's some really sexy stuff to be all up in the sacred book that people use to talk about how bad sex is. This is it. Everybody laugh. Everybody break up. See? Gotta laugh. Real fun. And I started to like to like crack through that that sh- that shell of shame um, by listening to things like um, Dan Savage's um, Love Cast, where he's talking about open relationships and he's talking about um, cuckolding and you know all of these different ways that that people um, morally play with each other. You are listening to Lord Have Mercy, a podcast concerning things we never talk about on God, sex, and the Bible. I'm your host, Crystal Cheatham, alongside my remarkably witty co-host, sexologist, Reverend Alba Onofrio. Today, our topic um, is two questions. Does God hate my sex life? And continuing that, does God hate sex? This is Song of Songs, chapter 3. Verses 1 through 5. All night long on my bed, I looked for the one my heart loves. I looked for him, but did not find him. I will get up now and go about the city. Through its streets and squares, I will search for the one my heart loves. So I looked for him, but I did not find him. The watchmen found me as they made their rounds in the city. Have you seen the one my heart loves? Scarcely had I passed them when I found the one my heart loves. I held him and would not let him go, till I had brought him to my mother's house, to the room of the one who conceived me. Daughters of Jerusalem, I charge you, by the gazelles and by the does of the field, do not arouse or awaken love until it so desires. And so just reading that text, the first thing that comes to mind is, uh, I don't know, I think that in the Christian world, fundamentally, it's sex is such a negative thing and sex is defined by gender roles and it's very um it's very binary (laughs) and it's very difficult um for anybody who is supposed to be quote unquote a good christian to um to play with gender roles at all especially uh, in the adventist church where i came from like the perfect wife and everyone wanted to be a wife or a husband. The perfect wife was somebody who played the piano and wore dresses all the way up to their neck and of course was gorgeous and beautiful and cooked amazingly and wanted to be a mother and, you know, wanted to dote on her husband. And it was just like some bullshit, you know? <laughs> and and in that and in that space there wasn't room for any kind of like sexual exploration or understanding of sexuality. In fact, the norm was to be a virgin until you get married. Anything before that is considered a sin. And it was like, I don't know, I think for a young queer um, who wasn't attracted to men, it was just, it, for me, it was kind of easy to to go along with. But it wasn't until I came out that I was like, hold on, these rules are kind of, are kind of, uh, are kind of bullshit. Yeah, I love the Song of Songs um, because it's really 
often um, has been written off as like, it's a metaphor. They're talking about the relationship between God and Israel. And it's, I mean, sure, that's fine. But it is so specific and it is so centered around desire um, and specifically like physical embodied desire. It's not just a heady, oh, I love you kind of in our brains. But this person um, just absolutely is on a mission for the one that she is after and um, later on in the next chapter it talks about how she searches for him again and uh, the watchmen find her and they beat her and they bruise her and they take away her clothes Um, and so I think it's really important to notice that because here in this sacred text we have an example of someone who is not yet married. Um, It looks like they may be engaged, but not yet married. And the desire that centers around um, someone seeking the physical connection, the physical relationship with someone that they desire and love. Um, And it's a beautiful, very sexually intense story that for me is some of the balance between what we get with Paul, for example, and a lot of the stuff that gets repeated is stuff from Paul around like wives submit to your husbands and those kinds of ideas. But in actuality, Paul does a whole other thing. He actually talks about in first Corinthians seven, that it's better that, that men in particular do not have sex with women at all, that they abstain from sex entirely like he does. And that isn't part of our culture. Um, as much. And so we don't find a lot of people saying like, never have sex ever in your entire life. But we do have a lot of people repeating Paul's like, you know, backup plan. If you can't do that, you might as well get married. Right. And so it's a really interesting take to be like, what does Paul say? This gets a lot of play and totally ignore another entire book of the Bible, which is very explicitly about what it means to desire someone so deeply that you're willing to risk going against all of the cultural norms that say you're not supposed to be out in the streets. You're certainly not supposed to be a woman out in the streets searching for a desire, like searching for your passion, for your love and taking him into her mother's bedroom. I mean, some of us have had that experience before, but it is like, it is very edgy around what this person is willing to do. It talks often in other places about going into the fields and going into the vineyards and going into the villages. And that's some really sexy stuff to be all up in the sacred book that people use to talk about how bad sex is. That's so true. It's so true. This book um, has actually been something that I have just avoided because I didn't know how to read it. And since I came out, I haven't come back to it. And I guess that was, it's totally my mistake. But the rest of the Bible is, is I mean, like people are getting raped and people have more than one wife and um, all that kind of stuff. And, and modern Christianity has, has taken it down to, oh, there must be one man and one woman because that's the way God started in creation. Um, but in that, they still don't talk about what that one man and one woman do behind closed doors. They just assume that like there's, <laughs> there's not two penises or two vaginas. Um, but I want to say that I, I really didn't understand like the, the magnitude or 
the play area or how fun sex could actually be um, until I came out and I started listening and I started to like to like crack through that that sh- that shell of shame by listening to things like Dan Savage's um, Lovecast, where he's talking about open relationships and he's talking about um, cuckolding and you know all of these different ways that that people morally play with each other you know they find these great relationships through communication um and having fantastic sex and so much of me was like is this is this sinful is this bad it sounds like what they're doing is just like a shit ton of consent um and if consent isn't isn't holy or biblical then like i don't know what is but when i but listening to that and song of solomon it sounds like there is so much consent in that and it is very playful and and very um quote unquote dirty uh but there it is in the bible and it sounds like it's it's a relationship that's being praised and even and even honored and um and very lusty which is another word that we're really not supposed to use if we're christians (laughs) yeah i so appreciate you saying that as someone who has multiple lovers it feels like there's this big no-no area that is around um, sex in general and knowing one's own body. In fact, most of the folks that I support through like spiritual direction or other things like that are really working through what do I do with this body, particularly this queer body or this brown body or this gender queer body that has been so deeply ingrained in me that is bad or wrong or is the source of sin, right? And so it's really important for us to to dig into what we mean when we talk about being created in the image and likeness of God. It's really important for us to think about what is it that honors the fullness of who we are. And I think consent is exactly the right word, right? Is that we, one that requires us to know ourselves um, and to really do that deep personal kind of understanding of what do I want? What do I desire? And that changes over time. That changes over the course of our life and relationships. But to be able to know, like, this is a yes for me or this is a no, not dependent on what is right or wrong according to someone else, but a dependent to, like, what is honoring of my desire, what is honoring of my body and my pleasure and my connection with this person or people And likewise, to be able to receive that. And so the communication is the other thing that you said that feels like absolutely the key. Because in the Bible, it is a matter of how you read it. We have so many stories. I mean, one of the most praised figures, feminine figures in the entire Bible is Ruth. And we have Ruth who totally seduces a like extended family member in order to be able to survive her and Naomi to be able to survive in the structure of the heteropatriarchy like culture that they are a part of at that moment. And that is the way that she enables both of them to live. And it's really important to note that like the line of Jesus flows through that. And so what does it mean for that kind of um, taboo or like assertive feminine dominance to be something that happens that weaves into the narrative of what Christians uh, would call one of the most important events that has happened on this planet, right? And so those are things to pay attention to, but we often skip right over them. I love this book. I go back to it over and over again when people, when we start coming into ideas of shame and what do I do with this desire? And there's absolutely, it's really important to say that there's absolutely wrong ways to do it, right? There's ways to take advantage of people. There are ways to manipulate people. There are ways to escape and like come out of your body and not actually be present. All those things 
are not what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is the like, yes, 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 more of that, please, 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 yes, and some more after that. Um, they can have a lot of different configurations and connections with people. This week, I totally want to give a shout out to Jordan Sun, who's the national campus organizer for SoulForce. Uh, that human is doing amazing work connecting folks, particularly on Christian college campuses around the entire nation. There's some real fucked up shit going down, to be quite honest. All kinds of Title IX exemptions and people wanting um, the power in those institutions to be able to specifically and directly and openly discriminate against queer and especially trans folks. Um, so the work is amazing, and I just want to shout out that whole group. They have just started a um, newspaper called Kudzu that is just that is edited by uh, college students in these Christian college settings to be able to get the word out and reduce isolation in like short order around this is what's going on um, in my campus. And they also have a great column called Ask Alba where folks get to write in and ask questions about sexuality and desire and how that connects or doesn't with Christianity and the Bible. So I encourage folks to check that out and um, really support that org and that particular ministry that's happening. Oh yes, Jordan is the shit, and maybe some sometime we'll be able to um, have Ask Alba on this podcast. Yeah. So on the heels of that, I guess my question to you, Reverend Alba, is um, as someone who transitioned from being like a super fundamentalist person and believing that you saved yourself um, for marriage, from coming from that, how do I reconcile my sex life with my uh, my I guess my liberal Christian beliefs or leftist Christian beliefs? How do I, how do I know that it's okay that I have more than one partner? Um, how do I know that it's okay that um, I'm having sex outside of marriage? And I don't know. I mean, there, there's, there's. I think there's so much, there's so much shame there, and it's, it's, it takes a mental talking through in order to get to a place where um, it's comfortable to just have sex. Um, and sex is such a spiritual thing. So how can you have, how can you have sex without, without feeling like God is with you? You know, I don't know. That's my question. Throwing it your way. <laughs> yeah, that's a big question. I think what's most important, um, is that is realizing that it's a process, right? Like at least for me, it was my entire life growing up that I heard my, the messages around how I was supposed to be and what my body was and was not good for and where sin came from as it related to desire and my body, right? And I had others who took advantage of my body as a young girl. And so it's like those things are real and those trauma both spiritually to like the messaging that we received and so many of us are survivor, survivors of sexual um, assault or abuse and the, that to be true is something not to be taken lightly right and so I don't think it's a just like you go out there you have sex with everybody and eventually it starts feeling comfortable it really has to be an internal to external process and so for me at least 
it came from a place of falling in love with someone that I wasn't supposed to love and really trying to work through, does God really hate this? Because this feels like it fills me in so many ways. It overflows my heart with happiness, with joy, with connection. And the shame paled in comparison for me. And that isn't true for everybody. But I think that there is a process of how do we learn? How do we learn alternative ways to read the text, which I think is part of what we're doing here. For me, that meant going to divinity school and a whole lot of work and a whole lot of prayer. But there is a being okay, having peace between oneself, one spirit and God that I think actually is the first step of how do I do the intellectual work to learn about how and why messages of shame were crafted. They were crafted for the purposes of controlling people's body. And that is a very important thing to recognize and learn that this was actually not just an innocent mistake, that it was actually crafted um, in order to be able to control people's bodies and who had sex with who in order to make sure that power and money went from father to son to son to son so that power and money could be concentrated in certain areas. And we are living the effects of that and still exist in that way now, right? And so for me, it was an intellectual learning of like, oh, damn, shit has been really constructed to make my body a tool of reproduction for the purposes of systems of power that actually harm me, right? And so divesting from those thoughts and those directions is a discipline. It's a practice of recognizing what that is for and really working hard between me and God and the Bible and lots of theology and talking to other people around like what is actually the most true thing and what feels like at least for me is that I'm created and I am created with sacred worth and value and that what I know to be most true is what comes out of my guts and what comes out of my spirit and I do a lot of talking to myself around like wow this feeling I'm having right now of shame or embarrassment or like fear is that mine is that coming from the inside out or is that something that I've been told and programmed to think or and that's what we call some of us decolonizing like I'm decolonizing my brain and my spirit constantly and it's hard fucking work and you it's it's a process right like you can't rush it it's just something that you do and take little step by little step by little step and ask for support and help from friends from God to like push yourself just a little bit more. And that doesn't mean that everybody will end up like me or like you. People still are like come to a conclusion that they are asexual, that come to a conclusion that monogamy is the right thing for them, that come to a conclusion that they want to make wait for marriage. Absolutely valid. But it's about getting to that place from center that is connected to creator and connected to one's own being and one's own truth rather than what is put upon us as this is the only way to be or the right way to be and you're not worth anything if you don't do these things. Oof, drop the mic, walk away. <laughs> <laughs> what else do we have to talk about? Because we killed it. Um, Yeah, so I guess what you're saying is that you basically have to be willing to sift through all of your fundamental beliefs um, and take the time to find your authentic self. Um, and that means it meant for me, and maybe I did this right, or maybe I didn't, it meant that I needed to step away from my church, which seemed to like completely overshadow me, Crystal Cheatham, my individuality. Um, and that meant finding other community. And that meant finding out who I was. And for a time, it actually felt like I went through a second puberty because, you know, I was just so awkward. <laughs> like, like no one in church school teaches girls how to how to talk to other girls, right? So um, very, very awkward, very horrible. <laughs> don't don't ever want to do that again. 
But it is good to know that there are ways that even now, as somebody who has been sexual for many, many years, I can still find ways to reconcile who I am sexually with what I believe the Bible to be. Um, and so I wonder if there are, is there like a verse that I can, that I can carry with me that, rem- that will remind me that, you know what, I don't have to live under, under the shame of celibacy or the shame of premarital sex being wrong. Is there a verse that, that will kind of like may help me or a meditation that'll help me feel more comfortable with myself? Yeah, I want to assign homework to everyone to spend some time with Song of Songs. It's only... I don't know, seven chapters, maybe it's a super short book, but the entirety of it is thinking about and wrestling with what do we do with this desire that is so filled that we are so filled with? How can that be celebrated and beautiful? And as many of us queer folks do with lyrics to songs and verses and poems, it's real easy to change the he's to she's and the hymns to hers or the, to the, they, um, and imagine where we fit in that. Are we the one being pursued? Are we the one pursuing? Are we uh, thinking about people in specific or what our desires might be? And just meditating on those, I think, is really important. And then I often and always go back to the Psalms where we talk about, where we say to God, thank you. Thank you for creating me because I am known in the dark and in the light, in my own bed and out in the city. I am known fully. I am known deeply. Um, and I am fearfully and wonderfully made. I think that that's really important for us. That gives us some permission to actually do that work of finding our authenticity. And sometimes that does happen outside of the church. In fact, often I feel like there is this process of coming into one's own self. And I worry about our queer folks who just like go wild because they don't have a specific sense. Once they reject puberty, like purity culture as the right thing, then it's like, well, now what the fuck do I do? I'm just going to go wild. And often that includes, um, abusing drugs or alcohol or other things that help take us out of our bodies in order to be able to try this thing that we really desire but feel so much shame around. So I feel like it's really important to come up with what are the ways in which I need to work on myself and how do I engage with others. And for me, that's very clearly about consent, very clearly about communication. And it's hard, like it's awkward. I've been at it for a long time too and I still feel like goosebumps and nervous when I go talk to someone and try to like flirt with them it's it never goes away at least for me but it's something that's worth trying because it it's worth the connection and I think the the fundamental piece is honoring that image of the divine that we see both in the people that we are engaging with and in ourselves and go read song of songs every day read it memorize it it's some really good pickup lines your breasts are like like pomegranates I wanted yeah, there's lots. I'm just gonna leave it there and encourage folks to go read it for themselves. Song of Songs makes me blush. It's just like it's so dirty. <laughs> it is, and it's really hard for me to see that the Bible wants that for me. You know, like there have been many times where um, I've been a part of something sexual, and I've just been like, "Okay, God, don't look." Like, I will talk to you later. <laughs> I don't really think that I want to bring you into this room with me. And so and so it's it's it'll be it will definitely be a task to kind of um, knit together um, the way that I worship and meditate with the way that I see my sexuality, I guess, in some ways. Wow. I didn't even know that shame was there. That's crazy. Yeah. A uh, good homework that I give to lots of folks that I talk with 
is to spend an hour at least once a week, but I encourage it every few days and do something that you really love, like take a bath. And during that time, spend specific energy praying and meditating and touching your own body and finding the places that you have pleasure. And I know you're over there with your hand on your mouth blushing. I see that, right? It's something that we're taught is so shameful. But what if we understood this mechanism of pleasure and delight to be part of what God talks about and part of what Jesus talks about when we talk about life more abundant? What does it mean to be fully embodied in our whole bodies? Because our body carries so much of our trauma and so much of our history, so much of our ancestors' history. What does it mean to honor that body that carries us, that carries our spirit, that is imbued with spirit and is connecting us to each other and to the divine? What would it mean to actually intentionally, this is what I mean by self-work first, right? is like spending time pleasuring ourselves, touching our bodies, finding out about our erogenous zones and calling God into that, praising God for making us that way. And, you know, a lot of times we have God imagery as father, but I really encourage folks to step away from that and figure out what are the other images of God that feels like, is there a diva God that empowers you to like move those hips and put those shoulders back and move through the world as a sexual being? Is there a like coy cute God that teases us out of our shell like what are the other images of God if God is really as expansive as all of Christianity and I personally claim God to be it can't just fit into this one mold of white father figure there's all these beings that God can take the form and shape even of a burning bush right and so it's like what do we do for our own spirits that help us more closely align and connect with what is most true for us, what is most connected to the wholeness of our body, which includes a whole lot of erogenous zones that have nothing to do with reproduction for the official record, right? Like a clitoris exists not for any other purpose than pleasure. And that is really important for us to think about and know, especially those of us who have one or enjoy playing with one, because that isn't about procreation. So what do we have that for? It's for pleasure and honoring the creator who gave us that, who gave us all these different ways to feel alive and tingly and sexy and whole. That's good homework for us to work on. And I would say it's very worshipful and faithful homework for us to do. And it's hard, but damn, our bodies and our beings and our sexuality and our wholeness are worth it. Well, I don't think everybody has to be told to play around with themselves for an hour. I think sometimes it's pretty quite easy. Um, but those of us who have bathtubs, I think, should definitely um, partake in that and that homework for sure. Um, yeah. And report back. And report back. <laughs> Got to figure out a way for people to report back. Well, that's all we have for today. Join us next time on Lord Have Mercy. Okay, bye.